Racing through the bush in a four-wheel drive, a young wildlife biologist is on an urgent mission to track down a lion that has been caught in a poacher's snare, and it threatens to suffocate the cat if she doesn't get there in time. It's a daily battle for this young Zambian conservationist who has made it her life mission to save these large carnivores from extinction. I knew I couldn't go back. Can you just put it out there? She said you've got less than a year to live. She's dug even Luck deeper. is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it. Luangwa Valley in Zambia is among the greatest wildlife sanctuaries in Africa, home to buffalo, rhino, leopards, elephants, and the king of them all, the lion. But in recent years, this area has endured heavy poaching by bushmeat hunters who use snares to capture their prey. The good news is that there's a small army of anti-poachers who are fighting back. I'm on location for National Geographic Explorer to meet Tandy Muetwa, a senior wildlife biologist with the Zambian Carnivore Program. Her mission? To ensure Africa's big cats will be here for future generations. All right, this is uh, a chat with Tandy Muetwa here in Zambia. Can you give people who are listening some perspective about exactly where we are and we're kind of sitting in the middle of, well, wildlife. Yeah, so right now we are, it's actually an old floodplain. This is, this used to be an old river course. So it's right now a floodplain. Um, and yeah, there's, there's wildlife everywhere. Like you say, there's a troop of baboons nearby just uh, having their breakfast. I don't know what they're eating, but they're kind Look of how close up. they are. They're right yeah. here. At yeah. some point, if the elephants come down to drink, uh, which they, they did yesterday morning, mm-hmm. they came right to the stream, yeah. we get up from here and we <laughs> move away, right? We need to move very quietly and very quickly away. There were some in the distance. There's still some over there, um, but we're okay for now. Okay, so <laughs> we'll just sit here. Yeah. So give us a sense of... of what is special about the way look at this way way off in the distance behind you I can see elephants they're coming out to drink down there yeah give us some sense of of where we are in the world and what's special about this place mm-hmm. uh, right now we are in a place called South Rwanda National Park it is found in eastern Zambia and Zambia is a medium-sized country north of Zimbabwe which I think many people are familiar with uh, we're further north of South Africa um, but what's special about this place is like it's one of those undiscovered wildlife sanctuaries that are, you know, quite amazing. People have heard about Kruger, people have heard about the Serengeti, and I think we're right up there along with those places, but it's basically just a hidden gem still. I've, I've been to Kruger, I've been to mm-hmm. Serengeti, mm-hmm. and I have to say that having been here for a few days, I have never seen so much wildlife in all my life. I, it is incredible. It is amazing. I mean, there's we've done uh, a good trip around some of the most common areas here, but there are areas in the outskirts that are just like breathtaking. So maybe next time you'll go to see those places too. Yeah, really, it really is a, a very special place. Yeah. Uh, where did you where did you grow up? So I was born in southern Zambia, 
are in a small sugarcane plantation town called Mazabuka. And then I moved here uh, to the Longo Valley when I was 12 uh, to come and live with um, my uncle and cousins. And yeah, it was, was an interesting switch from just an area with almost zero wildlife, maybe except the birds, to just being surrounded by anything you can think of in a place like this. So growing up initially, you, you had, I understand that you had only heard about wildlife really through mm -hmm. books and mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. you, even though you were living in this country that has all this incredible wildlife, mm -hmm. you hadn't really personally experienced it. I had no experience with wildlife up to the point I moved here. I mean, my mom would tell these really vivid stories about the wildlife around her village. Uh, some of it was quite exaggerated, you know, she would, maybe she wanted to spice things up a little bit. She'd tell us that, you know, elephants are the size of a house and, and, and everything. But, so those stories were quite interesting and I, I think they sparked my interest and fascination with wildlife. And then the documentaries did an amazing job of putting like, you know, picture to those, those stories. And yeah, being able to experience it in person was was a whole different uh, different feel to it. But and then the way that you experienced it, unfortunately, came from a tragic event in your life. When yeah, you were twelve. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, sad. I'd lost my parents at that point, and so my uncle was like, "Oh, I can I can take you all in, no problem," and that is how we ended up here. So you you, you must think a lot about your mum introducing you to wildlife mm. Mm. and did you do you ever think wow what would she think of my my <laughs> life now and and what considering what it is you do now for a living i think she'd be uh quite proud uh, given the fact that um, i'm doing work with a lot of people to try and maintain you know the, the amazing biodiversity that exists here so tell us what it is you do uh, so i'm a wildlife biologist for a a conservation non-profit organization called the Zambian Carnival Program and what we're, our mission is to protect wildlife and their habitats that they depend on and so uh, our main you know approach to that is wildlife research number one which I spend a lot of my time doing and there's um, education aspect which encompasses just general awareness with people around the villages and also uh, trying to develop the next generation of uh, conservation leaders in Zambia. And then the third approach is uh, direct conservation intervention uh, that is targeted at reducing, reducing human-induced mortalities of the top predator species that we work with. Yeah, you've got a lot <laughs> going on. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love your story, mm. which I want to talk to you about. Uh, but I was wondering, a lot of people know that you work with some dangerous apex predators. You get yeah. very close to them. Yeah. Can you tell us the story about the first experience you had tagging a lion? Because a lot of people, if they went through that experience, they, yeah. they might be like, okay, this is not a job for me. Yeah. What, what happened? I think that experience was uh, both life-changing and also kind of baptism by fire, really. Um, so it, it happened on my very first day uh, interning for the Zambian Carnival program, which was way back in uh, 2009. We went to tag this male lion in a place called Nsefu Sector. And the darts that were used to, you know, tranquilize him kind of my function. So he only got a partial dose of um, the, the drugs that were 
uh, in that syringe. And so we thought he was completely down and we could start working. And, you know, we worked quite well for, for the first maybe 20 or so minutes. And then the, it came to the time when we, he had to be lifted from direct sunlight into like a shade where he could recover, you know, comfortably. And yeah, he just woke up through. <laughs> While you were all around him? While we were all around him. I was the shortest person in the group, so I was just carrying gear and stuff. But there were people that had him on their shoulders on a stretcher trying to move him like for another 20 meters into the shade. And I just saw this enormous head come up and he was looking around and was like, guys, this he guy is... He caught your eye? <laughs> yeah, I was right behind him. And so he was kind of like trying to survey what's going on, where am I? And I'm like, oh, guys, this, I think this guy is awake. And so they gently let him down on the ground and put him right there. And so he spent some time, you know, just trying to understand what was, what was going on. And uh, when it was quite clear that he wouldn't go back to sleep, uh, the vet who was, was there said, uh, maybe you should start walking back to the car just in case, you know, things get a little more hairy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so I started walking slowly and I think I stepped on a twig or something and he, he kind of swung his head in my direction and he saw that, okay, there's something here. So he spent the next, uh, I think, three minutes or so just staring at me and growling. So I've, I, I can say I had a staring contest with a lion on my first day of work. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll finish the story. Uh, we'll finish the story later. Mm -hmm. So you moved there when you were 12 mm -hmm. and, and you don't look much older. <laughs> but but I, I, I know... I discovered you, the fountain of youth. You must have found it. I don't know what it is. It, I, but you, I, I mean, people might be uh, a little taken back. Do you ever get asked for ID? Because if you want to have a beer or something, because you, you look maybe 18, yeah, but you're not yeah. 18. No, I am not 18. I'm way older than 18. I have been asked a couple of times, you know, why I'm, tra I'm traveling unaccompanied and where my parents are through, when going through immigration. But that's before they check my passport. So that's and then they realize that you're over 30 and that they're, they're yeah. like, what? Yeah, and how could like, you be oh, over 30? Oh, is this you? And this couldn't be you. Yeah. So how do you go from being a 12-year-old girl who, who gets interested in the environment mm. and wildlife and, and then going through all the study and getting into all the study, what, what was that journey like? My interest in wildlife, as, as I've already said, started from, you know, way back. I mean, I'm growing up, I'm a six, eight-year-old somewhere there. And then when I got here, I, I got immersed with all this amazing wildlife that was, that was in, in our immediate area. I could see elephants and, and baboons and stuff. So that just amped that interest to the next level. Um, and then I, I decided to join an environmental education club that was in our school. My initial uh, plan was to become... Wow, you hear that? <laughs> The, is baboons. that the baboons over there? Yeah, it's so the, the, fighting over something. There's a fight going on over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, my understanding is when you were part of that uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that conservation club, club yeah. that you were the one that was constantly putting up your hand, <laughs> constantly asking questions, yeah. and your teacher told me that, that she could see something in you, yeah. something special, a, a unique passion. Mm. And she had you earmarked from the beginning that you were going to, <laughs> to be where you are today. Uh, she I, saw that, she had a vision that this is where you're gonna be. So she uh, she was like, oh, I, I think you can do better if we just found you like a really nice school that you could attend and, you know, get all your lessons and, and stuff. So she, um, 
talked to some people and they were like, oh, can she get into this school? So I got into this really, I think it's one of the best schools in the province, super competitive, lots of like smart people there. Was and that overwhelming for it you? It was overwhelming. Yeah, there was plenty of, plenty of other smart people. And yeah, it got overwhelming at some point. I almost like, you know, was like, okay, let me just repeat the grade then maybe I can catch up properly. Um, but then, yeah, somebody encouraged me, a classmate of mine, who was like, oh, yeah, I can, I can teach you math. Don't, don't cry. Don't worry. Because I was actually crying in the corner. I was like, oh, my God, this is too hard. I can't do it. <laughs> and, you know, she, she gave me that extra push. And so, and then added to that, I needed to, you know, keep myself awake a lot at night just to catch up on all the material. And it involved um, actually getting a bucket of cold water in June. June is like our winter period. Here. Yeah. Just stand in that because it will okay. keep you awake. It's highly, but, you know, uh, people, a lot of people would drink coffee to stay awake. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. But it's uh, the more uncomfortable you are, I think the more like the more unlikely you are to to just to fall asleep. Well, it worked because it your worked teacher really told well. me yeah. that you got eight distinctions mm. in eight <laughs> subjects. This wildlife out here, they have somebody who is not only passionate, yeah, but extremely bright. Has some interesting learning techniques. I don't know about this, <laughs> if this is going to take off around the world, Tandy, but uh, obviously it mm. works. W will you work here for the rest of your career, do you feel? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll work in Zambia for the rest of my career. So this is where you'll finish your career. I mean, it's a long <laughs> career, but it's, I'm saying... It's, yeah, it's, it's a long career. I don't know, there might be breaks in between and, and stuff, but yes. yeah, my, my heart is right here. Uh, we've got a huge country, like I've already said, 31% of it is set aside for conservation, uh, either in the form of national parks that have full protection and also uh, areas that are called game management areas that still have, you know, plenty of wildlife and act as buffer zones for these uh, networks of protected areas. So plenty of work in that, in that sector and I hope to be able to get in, to stay engaged with that. You know. For, for people living a long way away from mm. wildlife like this, mm. people who live in cities, they hear so much, well, it, like doom and gloom kind mm. of news. Mm -hmm. And and if you look at the statistics, say, for, mm -hmm. for lions in the wild, mm -hmm. we understand that the population has dropped something like 40% in the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. So what hope is there? Tandy, do you feel do you feel that we're going to be able to let this wildlife recover, particularly the the, the lion? Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite hopeful because um, I think nature is quite resilient when when you know you put the management strategies in place to either allow it to thrive or protect it in some way. So that's um, I, I think the glimmer of hope that's there. You know, when you you do what you need to do to help these species recover, they will they will bounce back. Uh, lions in particular, you know, there's places uh, where they're reported to be reappearing and uh, recolonizing some of these formerly depleted areas. Uh, and you find that, you know, with management strategies in place that help prey populations recover, uh, the predators also follow. So I, I think that's the reason to remain hopeful. This, this piece well, we need that hope because yes. because we just keep reading about everything that is wrong. It, yeah, there's there's plenty of uh, depressing news um, about the conservation sector. There are more losses than victories. Um, but yeah, what we just need to keep in mind is the fact that wild, wildlife can thrive. We just need to give it an opportunity to do so. The, the, the real challenge of 
uh, is really the, this finding this balance of mm -hmm. people being able to live with the wildlife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So trying to understand that keeping the wildlife alive is mm -hmm. more beneficial to everybody mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. And that's the challenge I understand because you've got poachers mm -hmm. who are trying to get bush meat, mm -hmm. meaning that they, they want to sell that meat, mm -hmm. but it's about now trying to work out how do you give them some purpose in life, some job mm -hmm. where they can make money from yeah. keeping the wildlife. Tell us what what poaching is as mm -hmm. it relates to this area. Yeah, so uh, poaching, I think a lot of people know it's illegal killing of wildlife and then it takes many forms. Um, so in the past, uh, people would just hunt wildlife for subsistence purposes. Uh, like my grandfather was a hunter, for example. So he would go out, you know, every couple of weeks, take out one impala and then uh, feed, feed the family. But right now it's moved to a level where it's more commercial and at a larger scale. So there will be people that will, you know, hunt illegally with guns and they'll lay out, I don't know, 30 or so animals at a time to feed the demand elsewhere. And there will be people that And this that is will, what you call bushmeat? Yes, and that, that is what is called bushmeat because there's, you know, the local market, but there's also the market further away, which is, um, you know, paying higher prices for these animals. And so it's a lucrative business for the people that do it. And, and so there's another method of this kind of hunting, which is kind of passive. And so people will lay out these wire traps um, along game trails leading to uh, water points. So they'll, they'll lay out those traps and hope they catch antelope. And, How does that trap work? So it works kind of like a noose. Uh, it's just a wire shaped um, in, in the noose form. It's a circle and the, there's a loop where one wire goes. And when, one anim when an animal gets into that wire and as they struggle, it gets tighter and tighter and, uh, and they hope that it chokes the animal, like uh, suffocates the animal, strangles the animal to death. So the, the, these poachers are looking to get mm -hmm. bush meat, mm -hmm. but then inadvertently, Mm -hmm. Species like lion, small elephants, mm -hmm. other buffalo. There's as those well. baboons again. <laughs> ah, can't they all just get along? Um, mm -hmm. So, so other species get caught in that noose, mm -hmm. and and then that's obviously got to be heartbreaking for you as somebody who's trying to protect these yeah. apex predators. It is, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very sad because there's a lot of suffering that goes into that mode of death. And usually the stronger animals will struggle. Once they get caught in the trap, they'll struggle for some time and then they'll uh, manage to break that wire off and they'll start carrying this, this wire around wherever they go. And so uh, people would, will see these animals and they, when they report to us, we're able to assist uh, in some way. But the sad part is, you know, this is a vast... Um, ecosystem and so there's other animals that we don't see at all and that don't receive the help so that's yeah that's quite the sad part. You say that there is nothing quite like the sound of the, of the roar of a lion. Oh yeah. Do you oh, yeah. remember the first time you ever heard a lion roar? Yeah so the first time was when these young males one of them uh, whom we, we, we were collaring that day uh, that, I, that story I was telling you about he approached the car with three of his uh, three of his collision brothers. 
so we'd caught them in with this uh, calling equipment where you play sounds of a uh, dying buffalo just to, to draw. draw them in yeah, so they think there's a they distressed think, animal yeah and then they can get a free meal so uh, these guys came in and they were just i think they were disappointed to find that it was just a land rover packed in the with middle speakers. of the plane <laughs> and a few people inside and so they, they might have been disappointed and they just started going at full volume and so there was one sitting here kind of one in front almost surrounding the car and, like, and what is it what is it like because oh, i've never been up close with lions roaring before it's it's insane you can feel the car vibrating it's go, is it loud then, yeah it's very loud very powerful it will vibrate even like you feel like the organs inside your chest are, are like you serious? <gasps> yeah. so it's like being at a rock concert oh it's insane Ooh. and it's what is crazy is like you know you look at this animal and then you hear it produce this sound and you just can't wrap your head around it yeah oh man it was it was a powerful experience i think it also helped cement like you know i was i was in the right place and this should be the path that i take you know i was reading that that there was a study done and that 12% uh, mm. of lions have been snared, and, and mm -hmm. which is a staggering number. I, yeah. I, I can't quite believe that. How do you cope with that emotionally? Because yeah. you get to know these lions mm -hmm. by name. You must get emotionally attached. Mm -hmm. And then if you see them suffering, yeah. how do you cope with that every day? Um, yeah, it's, it's very sad to see you know a lion that I've kind of known from this size and then they, they're just trying to go about their business and then they encounter uh, these unfortunate traps. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite disappointing and, you know, there's a lot of worry involved, you know, when you, you know an animal and they move out of the study area, you kind of wonder, you know, did they make it out to, you know, wherever they wanted to go? Did they end up in a snare and did they die somewhere? Um, when you but, see them come back, like if they go out of the territory, oh, that, that what's is that the, like? That is the most amazing feeling, um, especially young males, they'll go off the grid for some time and then they show up looking all handsome with these huge manes and like, right. oh, And obviously I... being successful. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's quite good. Uh, so I, I noticed just driving around with you yeah. uh, over the last couple of days, driving around with you, yeah. I, I hear you talking constantly to the animals. <laughs> Hello, little guy. And then when we drive up to somebody on the road, if we, if, yeah. if we sort of, uh, I, I, I don't know, disturb them, you mm. say, oh, I'm sorry. You yeah. like, seem to be apologizing to them. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's their space. And yes. um, I, I feel like, you know, when you're driving past, I must open look at you and you are in there so you might as well say hello to you know. I, I, do you know that you do that because i noticed it you're talking to I, a lot of animals yeah I mean, you have time with people i, I do have plenty of time with okay. people but you know I'll, I'll say hi they you know you drive past a giraffe who's got this you know really nice curious expression on their face and they're kind of like oh who are you why not say hello tell me about uh, the work you did to save uh, funny ear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and who is funny ear? Uh, possibly my favorite lion in the area. Really? So, so she's a, a, a lioness. She kind of holds a special place. Um, I mean, when I was first starting at ZCP, she was uh, kind of like that. So she's kinda, grown up with you. Yeah, we've 
grown up together, I think. I like to think that. I mean, she's growing up somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's nice. I've, I've been able to see her grow from a small cub to a really beautiful looking lioness. And yeah, unfortunately, she was one of those lions that uh, got caught in a wild snare. Lucky for her, it was within the main game viewing area that uh, safari guides were able to uh, see her and report. And she got treated. And yeah, she's doing very well now. Uh, she's on her second liter of cubs, so we, we were going to see that pride the other day, by the way, in, in, in a really not so good spot, so we couldn't see them. But yeah, she's, she's done pretty well and it's quite satisfying to see her still around, adding to the population. When a lion goes into a snare, mm -hmm. do they learn to stay away or is it just impossible to it's, yeah, see the snare? It's impossible for them because they, they don't know what it is. They, they, they don't understand that, okay, this is a trap that I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just recently, one of those boys that's taking over this area was caught in a snare. Um, and his was quite worse because he broke off with a small branch like this. And so he was dragging so the he was snare dragging in it. the branch. Yeah, and then, and then I think he was, when he would go over a patch of grass, he would feel like there's somebody following him. And so he would speed up through this patch of grass uh, and keep looking back. Guy. Yeah, so it was quite stressful. And then when he would rest, he would try and bite it and pull it off. And so it was tightening. he was tightening around his neck. His neck swelled uh, up quite a bit. But yeah, once we, we took the wire off, you could, you know, hear him the moment the wire go, it snips, you could hear him take a deep breath like, <sighs> instantly. Uh, and so... Um, Tandy, that must be so heartbreaking for you. Yeah, and it's, it, it is very, it's is very tough to watch. What, what is the answer to, I mean, because even from the poaching patrol, mm -hmm. they, they have, they have uh, empathy for the mm -hmm. poachers. They understand mm -hmm. why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily understand what the yeah. motivation is. They, mm -hmm. they're, they're wanting to make money so that they can send their kids to school yeah. and to buy food. And yeah. this, it's motivated by, to make a better life for their family. Yeah. Uh, People are trying to get the basic human needs, really. And and so that's why, you know, conservation is about a whole range of, you know, solutions thrown into one bucket. And hopefully you get a mix that will lead to the decline of uh, detrimental activities like that. So awareness and education is a huge part of it because um, I, I think a lot of people don't realize the impact a wire snare can have um, on an animal. They've, they've never seen you know, what it can do. A lot of people just picture it up to the Impala end point and, and that's it, you know, where an antelope gets caught. But then there's also where you need to start talking about, you know, developing, especially in places like this, strong wildlife economies that will uh, allow benefits to trickle down from uh, to people in all sorts of sectors. And yeah, it's, it's just, um, a complex problem because most people would look at it like you know just arrest all the poachers and it ends right like a, just a black and yeah, a white yeah, issue but it's but not it, it can't you can uh, you can arrest i don't know 10 people today and you know there'll if be more yeah and then, then if there's no other changes that happen in a, in in partnership with that the trend will still continue so, so if you're going to take that income away from them there mm -hmm. has to be yeah. an alternative yeah. there has to be some yeah. way of them yeah. giving them some purpose so yeah you, you need you know a variety of uh, skills development programs um just so people can do other stuff um 
where, where that can allow them to earn money. And then for young kids in particular, you want to help them stay in school so that you open a whole range of possible career options. I, I've heard you say that the children are the future. Mm -hmm. And w what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, a lot of, uh, I think if you look at it, a lot of the problems or a lot of um, issues surrounding wildlife uh, and, and, the, and environmental protection are to do with human actions. And then these kids are the people that will be making decisions not too long from now. So there'll be people that will be running money, like mining companies, for example. It will be the people that will be, uh, you mm. know, putting up cement plants or, and whatever. And so, thinking about that impact on... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So you want people that will think about what are the, what activities they're doing and what impact that will have on the environment. So you can basically have conservationists in all sectors, you know, conservationists That's at the heart. Key? Yeah. You yeah, can't that, just be, it can't just be in one group, mm -mm, it has to be across mm -mm. the board. It has to be across the board. So you, you want people early on to have that deep connection to, to the land itself. And they'll think about, okay, if I'm to run a cement plant, what is my environmental protection mm, plan? Because, mm. you know, predator protection, which is what we've been talking about for a while, is not just about the predators themselves. They need the land to, you know, do their business. Yeah. So you want forestry people or foresters that will have that environmental consciousness in mind. What is it like for you, uh, Tandy, when you have young kids say to you that you're their hero <laughs> and they look up to you? And you know that they're coming up, they're part of that conservation club. What, what does that make you feel like? Um, it's, it's a bit of pressure, but it also makes me really happy that I've, I've been able to ignite, you know, somebody's yeah. passion. I did notice, Tandy, that there were a lot of guys. I, yes. I think in the group that, was, that we were talking with at the school, yes. there were maybe 10 guys and one, and one, yeah. one young woman, Ruth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you get more girls interested in helping? Yeah, um, it's it's something that we've been actively working towards. We've got a lot more registered now in the club than uh, than you saw yesterday. But yeah, it's it's pretty tricky. They're still outnumbered by you know a, a huge margin, and it's also just to do with the fact that you know wildlife-related work has been viewed mostly to be something that you know, only the, the boys can do. And even within the club structure, the, the boys tend to be a lot more outspoken, they're more... Is that you know, a, a cultural thing? It's, I think there's a cultural aspect to that as well. Um, but it, How is it for you here in, in this culture, as a yeah. woman who is well-educated, mm -hmm. articulate, obviously really good at what you do? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I notice everybody around you gives you a lot of respect that well they do uh, yeah. but is it is it is it more challenging sometimes when uh, when a woman takes a leadership role or how, how are women treated in that way here i think it's um zambia is quite is quite good in that in that regard we've got um, a, a good number of women leaders and um i, I think the, the environment itself is quite supportive but it's just getting through the initial barrier to say can i step into this kind of role so working with young girls is all about you know showing them that it's there's there's nothing too hard that you're really doing it's you can go through activities a b c and d uh, and it's yeah it's just a matter of putting them in that space and saying you can do 
this as well. You have a great energy, Candy. You are, you are so, your, your energy is yeah. infectious. Yeah, when no, you I, smile, I, everybody just smiles with you. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah I hope, so I hope that rubs in and... It does. It, I can see it. I can see it by the people that you that interact rubs. with all the time. Tandy, what is the message that you would like to share with everybody listening to you mm -hmm. and, and watching you today? What do you want to get across? What's the most important thing? Uh, read beyond the headlines as well, you know, engage uh, with the issue at, at a deeper level, understand it a bit more. You know, even some of the huge contentious topics like, you know, poaching and trophy hunting and all those things, because we want really uh, informed wildlife activists, you know, wherever they may be, we want them to understand the problems uh, a bit more and so that they can talk to other people about you know, what, what what the problems are and how to figure out what would be the most effective way of, of helping. So and, one yeah. way that people can help is obviously visit. Yeah, visit. Come and, come and visit. And, visit number one. <laughs> and, and then if people want to know more about the work that you're doing, is there a mm -hmm. website that they can go to, to to learn more about you and the work here? Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a website uh, just called zambiacarnivals.org. And then um, our Facebook page is just Zambia Carnival ZCP. Program. ZCP. ZCP, yeah. yeah. So we need to go back to the beginning, the story, mm -hmm. when the lion is, is staring you down. Yeah. And, and we know you made it out alive, but we don't know how the story ends. So tell was, us the end of the story. Um, so, yeah, up to, we went up to the point where we're having a staring contest yes. with this. Uh, a dragged male lion but enormous in size and so he was growling and looking and um and so i was just told to stop in my tracks like stop right there and then he was, he was still looking at me and growling and i was, I was told to get low on the ground because there was a bit of grass between me and him so maybe that would break his line of sight a little bit and i, I think it worked after some time because he lost interest and turned the other way how many minutes while. did this go on for I think it went on for about three minutes, but it felt like forever. Was your you know? heart just pounding to I, your chest? I, I didn't know what to do, basically, I, in that point. And I was just listening to people's instructions, like, you know, do this, do this, do this. And I, I think I, I would have been more terrified if, you know, the people that were there were acting like, you know, I was about to die and <laughs> I was about to be eaten. But, but mine just went black at that point. And yeah, luckily, after a while, he just got up because his main aim, I think, was to just get away. So he got up and just stumbled by himself to the shady tree. And then we could all quietly recede and, and get back to the vehicles. Phew. So it, it yeah, it, it, it ended well. And it didn't put you <laughs> off the work. It did not put me off. You um, do a dangerous job. <laughs> It's, I mean, I, there is danger in your job there's every day. In, there's danger in it, and it's just about respecting, you know, the animals in whose space you work and just, you know, be able to stay conscious about, you know, where all these other animals are and, you know, what are they, how are they responding to your presence. Yeah. Beautiful. I was wondering mm -hmm. if I'd ask you if you were going to take a, a road trip, mm -hmm. maybe let's say you were going to drive across America mm -hmm. or maybe since we're in Africa, yeah. across Africa, and you could take uh, three companions with you mm -hmm. in a car. Yeah. Anybody from any time in history, ah. male or female, uh, who would you love to have in the car that you could talk with for a few days? That I could talk with, dead or alive, eh? Dead or alive. Okay. Um, I think I would uh, invite on the road trip number one, uh, 
saw David Attenborough, so he would narrate the journey. Yeah, nice. there he go. Okay. <laughs> it is nice coming voice. And then I would also invite um, Wangari Matai. Yes. She was uh, the, the first African woman to win a Nobel Prize and re really passionate protector of the environment. So I'd, I think I'd like to talk to her through the journey about what it was like for her working in really harsh, life-threatening conditions. Because you know her life was in danger a couple of times. So I'd, I'd invite her uh, to go on a journey. And then I'd invite my mom to go on the trip oh. too. Yeah, if, if, if she was alive. Because I, I think she, she had a lot of interest in the environment and I think she'd be very interested in seeing more of the continent as well. Well, she would be so mm, well, yeah. proud of you and everything you've done. Mm. And we're <laughs> proud of you and it's it's a privilege to be able to talk to you, yeah, spend no. some time with you over the last few days. Mm. And you have a, like I said, you have an energy that lights up the world and <laughs> we need more people like you. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what you're going to do in the, yeah. in the future. Yeah, now so. we'll see where it takes us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate you talking to us. That was good. <laughs>